0: what's up what's up people we are live daddy b on the mic i'm very happy to have a special guest my cousin my brother brother jordan hancock what's going on with you brother how you doing tonight
1: shoot not much going on This channel, i'm doing good though
0: i heard that i heard that my man brother jordy is um lead artist lead designer of his brand young genius uh, while we get into the show a little bit, tell us a little bit about Young Genius, Jordy.
1: So, I created a brand called Young Genius for the children, the kids, the grown-ups, all who feel left out as far as when it comes to mentioning their intelligence. And I feel as though everybody has a capacity for genius, but you got to tap into it. And also, there's m- many more archetypes of genius rather than just intellect. So.
0: Word, word, my man Jordy out here, man with the... Mission. Um so with Jordy here with his marketing experience, he's got his own brand going on. Um so there's some things going on in the news and media um that has actually caught my interest. An actual example happened to me today, not even too depth in that. I think that an example of what happened today is a bigger example that what happens on the marketing stream, what happens in the cultural stream. What happens with a lot of things that we believe to be our ideas, our cultures, our motives, our loyalties, our our corporations, that maybe those ideas aren't ourselves. And so we're going to get a little bit of some philosophy term talk. We're going to get a little bit of some economic empowerment talk, as we always do. And just get a little bit of some casual social behavioral talk I think that we should be having at this stage and level at this time right now. Um, and so uh, Brother Jordan You got any remarks Or opinions on it You know What you've seen In the marketing industry Specifically with yours um, You know Some some examples of that man uh,
1: I mean Basically I do think that um, A lot of the marketing Now Is pushed towards Like A level of like Wokeness or um, Higher consciousness It's mm-hmm. like it, It's really like Playing on like how you feel about yourself or about a certain idea or something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so they so they can captivate off of that feeling and then you know sell you the product, and as well, uh, not only that, it's also you know we see we've seen throughout time that a lot of uh, marketing campaigns use slogans that you know the. Founders of the company, the people who are you know at the the top positions in the hierarchical structure of the company, they uh, wouldn't use that language themselves. So you know, probably that was like the Twitter piece between like Wendy's, uh, you know, Chick Fil A, like so of slang that they use is not you know that particular culture. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, one of the artifacts that. um, you know, we have examined and talked about amongst ourselves before the show was specifically the, um, Nike NCAA, uh, a lot of sports teams have been using this, uh, specifically called always rapid. Um, and so from, uh, a standpoint of, of black urbanness, um, black urban wear, which a lot of the fashion that Nike hitched off of was in the eighties because a lot of people specifically uh, using those athletic shoes were using Converse as widely known for the primary athletic shoe. Um, Nike wasn't really that big back in the day when they first started. It was once they started with the all white background. This is true. You can look this up, all white background with the Nike logo, just do it in 1985. And that logo being printed along with Michael Jordan shoes and quotably where he said in the retro ones first to bring color to the game, not color to the game as in black people being appeared into the game, but specific different colorways that was resisting the cultural hierarchy that the NBA had on the uniform rule of just having black and white. And I think it was one team color along with that. Um, and so when we, we kind of get into our word hegemony, you know, we, we, we think about uh what is that what is what is cultural hegemony how can we understand that and how is it applying to the specific sample and artifact that we're looking at today uh in reference to nike as a brand nike's always reference shirts other athletic departments reigns on these shirts and the little deeper messaging that they have with the corporation of the college as a whole so um any any comments before we get deeper in on this jordy one more i just want to get back to you
1: um, I, I don't have anything else
0: to say. Nothing to add, really. Word. Word. So pretty much what cultural hegemony is, is that, um, you know, it really started with a brother named Tone Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci, and he really started asking uh, self the ideas of kind of being in a jail cell at the time where a lot of this theory came up of, like, well, you know, what is fascism? Like, why would anybody in the first place have thought that fascism would have been a great idea for us to have and it would work out good? Um, And so from his works and the the rigorous text that you see from that, you can understand that he was in a mode of stress in the way that he interpreted and wrote this. But pretty much what we understand cultural hegemony to be is a reference to the domination or rule maintained through ideological or cultural means. And so it's usually achieved through social institutions, which allow those in power to strongly influence the values, norms, ideas, expectations, worldview, and behavior of the rest of society. Cultural hegemony actually can function by framing the worldview of the ruling class and the social and economic structures that embody it as just, legitimate, and designed for the benefit of all, even though these structures may only benefit the ruling class. This kind of power distinct from rule by force, as in a military dictatorship, because it allows the ruling class to exercise authority using the peaceful means of ideology and culture. So what we see through is that a lot of marketing companies in this peaceful Um, culture and the representation that they have, specifically as we see through Nike, is this humble um, we're trying to help you get to the next level. What's the slogan? Just do it. You get our gear, you just do it. A lot of marketing brands do this, but let's specifically hone in on Nike. Um, When we look at the artifact today as those always repping shirts, um, as I kind of got into a little bit earlier, is that the, the first affiliation of the language of culture, where that comes from, Widely enlarged, Nike has historically been on the black culture, as we've seen with IE Michael Jordan, Uh, the billion dollar contract with LeBron James, is that they have the sense of dream culture and you can do it if you put the grind to it and also have our brand with it. They have a lot of black athletes that specifically market that and sell those dreams. But if anybody has been to a Dick's, a Dunham's, or even on Nike.com, unless you shop at the Nike outlet, Um, how accessible really are these prices specifically to the economic backing that we see in the black community that they also try to sell to, you know, it's not very equivalent with that. Um... $60 $60 leggings, you know, $50 t-shirts, uh, this, that, and the other of all this gear. It's not attractive, and it has, in its own way, created this class struggle, as we see with the status and function of the Air Jordan Alpha 1 retros, as I specifically have spoken about before. You can look at my article on that online at academia.edu. Um, and how, you know, we're literally killing each other of Jordans because of the status symbol that comes with it, because of the, the standard that comes to obtaining that. It's not that accessible to get. And it's created a divide and clash of how we interpret this and how, um, you know, we, we see each other as human beings. And so deeper into the actual always repping is that this is a term that's usually used in the black community. Um, and I would even take it as far as to extend specifically in representing the block Uh, representing the the home representing even the culture that happens in those streets which you could assimilate to gang activity um, but also maybe into a closer bondedness and that you're repping always wherever Um, and so the the specific structure of the shirts and one that I've seen was an all white background which like I said interprets to that original um, media design that Nike actually had the all white background I couldn't see a Nike logo in sight it's a black lettering, always repping across the breastplate and right under where the sternum would appear is the emblem of the school logo itself. Almost like a pendant, almost like the, uh, the, 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 these the, Jesus symbols in the Catholic church that have how, uh, where the heart is kind of like in the middle. You kind of see where I'm coming from, Jordy. You remember seeing those old paintings and stuff game got in trouble for it actually on Jesus piece. His deluxe album version on Jesus piece had that kind of same pendant in a way. And it's right there on on that sternum. And so that is a symbolism of whatever you say of a a pendant, of a chain, something that you're wearing. And even taking that farther from a bondage perspective, if you don't buy that, is that idol right there underneath the representation that you're always representing is an emblem of idol, of d 80 of that is your God. You're always repping wherever you go. That God as where your cross would be, the same way as if you wore that chain. As where your heart would believe to be in old paintings that we see in mythological terms and even religious and church terms of uh, painting and illustrations. Um, so that was a that's a that's a real discourse. Analyzation of that It's it's kind of and Look up Michel Foucault And kind of how he talks about discourse But really what discourse is Is for once Because you told me it's a cat It's not a cat I'm going to look at what it is I'm going to look at the environment's in. I'm going to look at its use function How it was originally uh, intended to be interpreted How it's interpreted How it's been interpreted through time How media has interpreted through time how the interior and exterior material... I mean, we're breaking down this to the basic. This is not no stretching. This is not no leaning. And this is kind of a discourse analysis of what that could be. Jordy, you want to add anything on your opinions on the discourse analysis of that always repping um, Nike brand marketing that they have streamed with it? I
1: think it's kind of similar to, you know, how... uh, remember the, that ball like uh trailer video of a uh, you know slum or whatever where kids was, like you know wiping their nose or whatever and mm-hmm. doing it down and it didn't understand completely the connotation of like what that actually meant that was how it was actually related to the culture mm-hmm. i just say that like i view i can see this in the same light as that There's just there's no cultural cultural awareness or like understanding of you know the usage of the language
0: and even deeper the commodity fetidization of being like those big programs, of being like those big schools, of being like those big athletes and just consensually taking those forged, empowered ideas over you and not having any unique representation to to what that could mean um, to what you think it would mean to what you think specifically your culture and your environment should mean and so we take these at face value through the media through brands and marketing that because it's legitimate it's successful and has all these audiences and takes certain stances that they're specifically good um, i think that just because we take a mass consensus of, of of appreciation of something and that we determine it as good is very dangerous to the community and future generations that may learn from that and see that um and so you know let's get back to you know kind of like what we're talking to for those of you that might be coming in late or whatever or kind of not getting the term is that we're, we're talking about hegemony we're talking about cultural hegemony specifically and in, in the media wet light and marketing and that's just a perceived process by which certain values and ways of thought um, through the mass media become dominant in society. And so we see that this in particular as ring forming a, a, a capital system of marketing to be able to get a buy in. Um, and even this, the, 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 the literal interpretation of what the, the word representation means of buying in. So therefore, like I said, back to this DA, di- this DA figure is that like a DA figure, it's omnipresent. It's always there. It's always watching. Um, I can't remember. A uh, 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 Harry Potter did a really good analysis of hegemony, and their uh, the the dude with the weird nose. I can't remember old boy's name, but the dude was really literally stuck in Harry's head, and they would never say his name because saying his name would be direct submission to him, and so that was a resistance to it. Um, and when and and we actually see the he found his method of real and true peace by actually literally getting old boy out his head. And I think that that's what's happening now that a lot of us are not thinking is that with these deities that we can see to them always being on our head, always being watching us. And that does not separate events from environments to personal engagements to personal ideology, because at that point you've conceded that you are always representing that um, deity that corporation and wherever you are you are in full submission to that and shall be punished as such and so it's not even deeper about the fact that it hurts other cultures if you don't buy that if you don't buy my argument against it personally and if you don't buy none of those arguments you're going to have to buy the fact that you've conceded to a loyalty of an idea and corporation that's not yours you know, is this a correct analysis to look at that, Jordal? Is that at that moment, without no question, without just a commodity fetishization to be like the others, to be higher, and not even look at the historical representation of it, what that can mean, asking those questions, that you 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 take on that consensus of always repping and all, at, at any consequence, wherever, that's the deity figure that you reside to, and that is the one that will hold you in authority. You know that I I I think that that specific application, and we see this in exa- other examples. We see this in politics, um, and how we we let these specific platforms and ideas shift our motives for our actions and decisions in later times. I mean, these artifacts are rampant. It's not nitpicking. It's not looking at specifically one, but I've seen this now real life, and also when we look at hegemony. I believe the Greek uh, term and the breakdown of that is to lead in some way. Um, But it's really assimilated in theory to dominating and control through poweristic means. Um, But it's really in lead. And so we got to think about terms that are used specifically in leading the way. The errand. The errand into the wilderness. You know, we have now this Puritan errand. We have this Jeremiah theory background of David Berkovich. Um, and I highly encourage you guys to all look at this. I highly encourage you all to comment on disagreements of this, but from specifically this theory that we see in our, in our social behaviors right now in our generation, this is a very dangerous way to think, to just accept things and to get on the bandwagon of what's important, uh, not even what's important, but what's popular. And then what is the standard and interpretation of popular? Is it the gratification of likes and retweets? Is it the gratification of audience? Because then, then you're 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 really excluding a lot of people because you say that you you being the dominant interpretation, specifically, my argument would not be invalid from the get-go because it is not anything that confines to the um, the global. And the biggest and the majority, you know, we talk about this a lot that the majority inherently undermines the rights of the minority. That's an issue that we have. Um, And so I kind of just been going on straight up. Uh, Jordy, you know, how how do you see this from kind of away from the philosophical term, but in a, uh, um, a marketing term of how, you know, some corporations like Amazon with the watches and even corporations period with uniforms and kind of like how that branding goes, how buying into those ideas can kind of control us in some ways. If you want to go in that a little bit.
1: Well, Amazon
0: with watches. Yeah, you know they got them watches, right? The Jones that like track your track your water intake.
1: Oh, 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 oh. Okay. So, are you talking about the ones at the uh, the facility, like the ones that they use to monitor the uh, workers, mm-hmm. like, how, like how like they're using the bathroom? Yeah. Okay. Um. In particular. Um. So so. What I'm gonna play Devil's Advocate here, okay? Okay. All right. So, what does the Amazon, the Amazon watches, and the, you know, saying other corporations um, using that stuff? How does that affect uh, other people?
0: I think I think it affects other people because at that point you've. You've made that the authentic standard to be a part of that. So now we come with that dominant culture again. That if you want to be a part of this culture, you're going to have to buy in in this way. Um, A lot of people think some uniforms are cool. Some people don't think uniforms are cool. Some people may think those specific watches are cool. Some people may not think that they are cool. But I think that the fact that you have to buy into a system specifically by some standard, such as a uniform, such as that, of anything that has to be put on your body at that point is a very, very dangerous um, way to look at it. Now, in the other, you know, double advocate way, I remember that that was one of the first ways that I wanted to establish myself as a student athlete by wearing student athlete gear that was worn by Nike. I mean, even in high school, I was pretty excited to get my spirit pack every single year and season for that sport because it showed that I was an athlete and part of that. But as I have learned now... The consequences that come with that, the loss of my own inherent ideologies and interpretations to what I think some things are being, I I see that as dangerous. But I also see at the same time how it is so wonderful because, at the same time, that's like being an American citizen. That's like wrapping yourself around in the flag. Um, It's home. Something that makes you, if you never had anything to claim yourself or claim yourself to, if that kind of makes some sense
1: so to bring us down to the most basic and simple terms yeah um, you know uh we're talking about the barrier of entry one creates into the barrier of entry one creates into a certain slogan or, or a certain you know like uh in, in a in a dominant way I guess you know, yeah like, like about a a dominant society, they created barriers barriers of entry into cultural, I guess, slogans and things of that nature, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I just wanted to, you know, clarify that. Clear that up, yeah. Just, like in case, that, just in case in case anybody no. Nah, uh,
0: yeah, and that's why I had the you know, that's why I had the episode. I can't do everything in two hundred and eighty characters. We gotta marinate on it sometimes.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. So um but you know truthfully uh, you know I mean how many how many other schools really like have it always repping like how many like other like small schools or is it just the fact that that mostly it was mostly like, like you know people people of color I guess or you know black people basically uh, wearing the always repping shirt yeah I
0: know? mean I I think the circulation, which means the original um, original time it was brought to our parents, was at Power 5 conference schools. For those of you who don't know what that is, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, ACC, your WVUs, your Alabamas, your Texas A&Ms. Um, that's originally from what I saw. And even, even in the professional field, I think I see some, some professional teams that used it. Those are my more diverse audiences Those are more diverse athletes um, And not that I question diversity I just question the Assimilation to be like Somebody that is not specifically In resemblance of your culture So if you're not if you not As diverse, if you're not in a community that, that is diverse If your fans are not that diverse Then what is the true Intent of the message that you're Bringing with that I think that that needs to be taken in consideration, and also with some pride that you are different, that you are a small school athlete, that you are in a different um, environment, and that you would like such things to resemble such. I don't think anybody wants to be like the other big school, besides for having that funding. But with that funding comes the same different consequences. Like I don't, I don't think people are really looking deeply enough into the lens of what that action really means it's just the love of the idea rather than the actual action that's followed by that
1: right okay and and they're you know displaying this displaying of this uh, you know message always repping um mm-hmm. there's no beneficial there's no ben- beneficiary um I guess um you know there's no beneficiary counterpart or just um no, no nothing is is being helped in a situation of putting on that shirt only would you see the you know the damage and the you know other things that that that, that can cause right oh yeah because you go because you go a little bit deeper into that as well
0: so i like going in so going in deeper with that so like kind of like the, the resistance of the shirt is that kind of like what you're you're, you're talking about
1: yeah, well, I mean, I guess the when, when we're talking about, you know, shirt itself, like them having always repping on is mis-targeting mm-hmm. audiences. So, is that uh, more so what you're saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, I, yeah, I think that like specifically in fashion and slang that we hear in hip-hop has really been the front lines of this mode of discourse that we have. And that's and like I said, once again, of like how we interpret things, because that has been popular for a long time. Um, and so we assimilate because it's been popular, that it's good instead of where it's actually came from. And who could this actually affect? What's the actual resemblance that it has to me? These are questions that we're not having because we just take that market success is good. Being a part of corporate success is good. And I'm not saying that it's not good, but for us to automatically understand it as good is an issue. Okay, okay. You know, I, 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 and that, I think that that... It, it's that we just got to have more... Because the rise of people trying to get paid as an athlete is because people feel that they haven't got their fair share. Okay? That's going to create even more problems in theory because once you are a paid athlete... Then you are an employee, which means that at any time you can be hired or fired. Um, and that's why they tried to bring these cultures very, very tight swing of this is the way that you buy in. We've bought you. They do it. They started it with scholarships. They'll start it with payment and checks later on. And it's going to get more gruesome and intense. The more consensus that you give them to take over your freedom. In exchange for these perks and benefits that you see as free shirts, as you see as unitary solidarity, you're giving up just as much as you think that you're gaining. And that's kind of the whole ethos about, uh, uh, that we see in streaming services online and the instant gratification of that thing, of those things online with Silicon Valley is that if you give me some data or a subscription or a couple of bucks a month, I'll give you free stuff. But we don't own anything anymore. We've, we've been alienated from the original intent and the original product that is being intended for us to have because now it's at an open access to all but only at discretion of that corporation. And when they want to stop that stream, it is at no cost to them but at the cost of us. And I think that that's the way that we should look at those things is when we have overlying ideas that we don't question, we should question it just for that very second. Of why are we trying to attach on to those bigger things? Why are we trying to attach ourselves to those bigger brands? Why are we not specifically looking at the unique environments that we reside in and take a step back and ask what's the intent? Ask how that interpretation has changed through time. Ask the the, the interior and exterior um observation of this the feel what it looks like what the reaction is we have to ask these more we have to ask these more in-depth questions to be on the reality because everything is just shown to us at this face value on screens and squares that we can't we can't understand anymore that's why we have screens all over the place that show us these flashes of pictures of how life could be from that lens that's why when you go to colleges, they do such a great job on marketing about frames of lenses of how they capture that side and angle of the campus because that is what the glory should be. And if you fall away from that, you fall into the period of error once again in the Jeremiah that you've fallen for something. If anything goes bad, it's because you've fallen for something, and and they're glorifying the goodness that you that you exhibited before. Um, I, I I mean. This, I, I, I'm kind of running in circles here because it's just so deep about like how dangerous it is to really not empower ourselves by having people make young genius brands you know young genius was made in resistance of say what you said the slogan is again of young genius
1: um, basically the everybody has a capacity of genius so it's just a matter of are you going to tap into it and be aware of it or are you going to allow to let yourself to confide to a system at which they want to only define a genius, genius as a standard of of higher high intelligence on standardized testing and you know uh, the the, the uh, IQ test and things of that nature? Not saying that those things are necessarily bad but to label those as the only markers of intelligence and yeah. are, is, that's what's dangerous
0: and that's exactly what's dangerous is the only interpretation that always repping is in line with the other D1 schools interpretation to their audiences is dangerous It's dangerous to you, it's dangerous to the audience, and it's dangerous to society as a whole for future generations, because that is not the same way. It was a hegemony to think that blacks were inferior for long, because that was the method of truth. That was the mode of discourse. That was the consensus of gratification that everybody responded to until somebody rejected and resisted that interpretation and realized that there was a different interpretation within the mental capacity, intelligence, and social behavioral capacity that black people could have of representing the culture as a whole. It's because we resisted and rejected those things. And so we should not look at those people as enemies, but rather as interesting lenses to a idea that was forced upon us before that we now will act differently in response to yep
1: yeah. um, the one of the main points um, of this discussion tonight is that you know number one this isn't you know personal, this isn't personal text on anybody or anything. No. And number two, this is a, um, you know, in, in the very least you could, you know, you don't have to agree, but this is another perspective on the, on the situation at hand. And so by encompassing and, uh, you know, adding in more perspectives, you get different um, viewpoints of, you know, what's going on in the situation or the specific thing. And so, you know. Yeah, that's, that's basically all I got saying
0: say. My man's my man's I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody who listen. I appreciate everybody who consistently does listen. Um Yeah. The the episode today we have was well, stop rapping hegemonies. Stop it. Let's let's resist and let's question things and be the smart individuals that we claim and achieve to be. I mean, I think it starts with us, it ends with us. And the more we allow ideas to control us, the more we lose who we really are. And it's more than repping and rocking things. I think it's more about having an empowered thought wavelength that we can proact to rather than react to um and so brother Jordy close words appreciate you man all the time close the words uh,
1: like um you man. know I had an interesting this is a very interesting topic um uh, you know um thank you for inviting me on uh thank also you. everybody if you like any young genius gear um as well I have the ebook on self discipline uh, you know it's a guideline for you know you just you know guide yourself to uh better destinations and better places and so um, as well you know just if you want to follow me um, follow me on Instagram at young underscore genius 19 that's y-u-n-g underscore genius 19 so that's all I want to say and thank you for having me on
0: Yes, sir. All the time, man. Peace peace, peace <laughs> to my family. Peace peace to the audience family. Thank everybody for everything. Y'all have a good and dandy night. Bless up.